I would say getting truly introspective about how you're wired and how you're designed. Um, so identifying and really clarifying, uh, understanding your value system and how your value system needs to be deployed. Okay, we're going to jump right into it today with a man named Greg Ballard. He is the founder and CEO of 5C Consulting, a company that helps organizations and mid to senior level executives get to that next level. If that sounds, I don't know, a little common or maybe cliche, let me challenge it this way. I think about it in terms of blind spots, blind spots within success, meaning something that we can't see, you can't see, but maybe others can. Here's the problem, however, is oftentimes within a culture, within an organization, there is not the practice, the courage of sharing those things, having those forthright conversations. Oftentimes, there's a fear about it. There is a stigma about it. There's this hierarchical respect about it that silences those things versus someone who can be forthright. In other words, a lot of leaders don't have that person that can call them on their BS. And that's where maybe an outside set of eyes can help or the creation of a culture that has that integrity to be open and honest with each other, to, to tell and to hear those hard truths. And gosh, how, how useful would that be, not only organizationally, but if we think about having that sort of communication in our personal lives as well. So as professionals, individuals, and as organizations, this is so important. Greg is going to talk to us today about some of the top three in particular things that lead to creating these environments of, of excellence, of success, of getting to that next level as individual professionals and as organizations. Three things in particular being critical thinking, introspection and awareness, and then communication. Because if we can take those thoughts, we can take that awareness well, we can't do anything with it if we can't communicate it effectively. But when we can, when we can do those three things effectively and together, there's an opportunity to co-create, to combine strengths and weaknesses, objectives and resources, and put those together to do incredible things individually and together. So that being said, we're going to jump right into it here in just a moment. I want to note first that I want to leave you an action item and a challenge but I'll do it at the end of this episode as we wind it down. All right. So fast forward or listen through. I hope you do. Let's jump into it with Greg Ballard of 5C Consulting. So we are recording. Greg Ballard, how are you, man? Welcome. Good to see you. Doing well. Uh, Michael, thank you for uh, having me today. Looking forward Absolutely. To yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. So Greg, you're the, the founder and CEO of 5C Consulting, and I know you know, we're going to kind of have a business discussion here, but but ultimately we're having a discussion about about people, about individuals, about uh, self development, about growth, and how that shows up in life, but certainly in business. So I know you work with executives, you work with business leaders and, and life leaders of of all sorts, uh, and and we're going to talk about mindset. We're going to talk about how we show up, and we're going to talk about not only how it shows up in our uh, our, our careers but also how it shows up in our organization. So that's kind of a quick lead into what folks are going to get out of this episode. But why don't I pause, say welcome again, and give you a little bit more chance to introduce yourself. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Yes. Um, so 
as you mentioned, founder, uh, CEO and founder of 5C Consulting, we, we, we work in the people and strategy space. We work in the individual organizational development space. So we work alongside either mid-level senior executives to help them tweak or improve the way they're performing, get clarity, develop their mindset, build their communication skills, whatever it is they need to kind of level up, right? And then on the, on the organizational side, it's really about taking strategy, taking a corporate strategy and connecting it and driving it all the way through the organization into individual behavior that can be measured. And so, which today kind of coming out of, you know, the COVID situation we've been in is a really big thing. Organization trying to figure out how do we pivot on a dime? These big organizations need to be able to turn uh, whether it's a value, whether it's a new strategic you know, initiative they want to take on. How can you do that and have metrics to support it without burdening everybody with, you know, come into a big room, lock the door and have a training session. And so those are the things that we do. And, and we add a lot of value to that. Obviously, when we're working, we're, we're improving productivity, we're improving employee engagement, we're improving overall adaptability for the organization. So I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Yeah, as as am I. Uh, you said a couple of things there that are that are super important and interesting to me because we talk about all this stuff. We don't want to just be navel gazing, right? We don't want to shut the doors for a year and and you know go to the whiteboard and and not come out with something done and something to do, right? So uh, measurable improvement and results is is awesome and uh, ways to learn while continuing to to take action and move strategies and and uh, corporate initiatives forward is is amazing. Maybe if we start with the the individual level, the the executives themselves, and how you work in that, it's you know, I'm 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 damn near fifty, as I said, I think off air, and it's it's only very recently that I've heard talked about very much the the data, the research, the proof, the science that working on the individuals. I mean, we've always heard about executive coaches, we've heard about. A career development, individual development, but only recently have I really seen the the direct science, the direct uh, line between the data that says improving individually takes good leaders or great leaders to the exceptional level of of leadership. Would you would you agree? Is that kind of baked into somewhere you start with with executives? So yes, I, I would agree. I I, I might slightly you know, tweak it to just say, look, we can always improve, right? I mean, no matter where you are in life, you can, you can get a little better. We can tweak that performance. And it's, that's, that's to, and I say it that way because that's been my driving motivation for majority of my life is to better understand who I am, how I'm made and how I can add value, you know, in, in whatever initiative, whatever team I'm on. And for me, it took a lot of, introspection, you know, and going through assessments and working with people and really kind of understanding who I am. And a lot of times work with work with some mid-level senior leaders and they haven't opened the door to allow that feedback in. And so they've kind of closed off in their mind. They've created some success and they, they kind of, kind of put themselves on the map. They, they can do it right. And, and because they're successful, you know, you can't challenge anything. You can't tell me I can, you know, why challenge me? I've been, I've been successful. I'm hitting my marks. Well, that's kind of where learning begins because, okay, you've had some success at this level. If you want to have success at the next level, if you want to be invited to the next level, you have to grow awareness in areas that you typically are not aware. And one particular model, 
uh, we like to use is the Jahari window. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Jahari window or if your listeners are, but I encourage you, you can Google it. Um, a quick anecdote, it's called the Jahari window because it was developed by two guys, one named Joe, one named Harry, and they couldn't come up with a name, so they made it Jahari. Um, and it's simply, it's a two by two box. And it, it, it allows you to take a look, you know, your perspective um, and somebody else's perspective. You've got the open space, which both of you can see into. You've got the private space, which only you can see. You've got the blind spot, which only they can see. And you've got the unknown, which nobody can see. And so everything falls into one of these boxes. But we can only improve and like, expand the public space and, and expand into the blind spot when we listen to somebody that can see the blind spot. And a lot of times we really don't like to hear what other people have to say. So we close the door on feedback. That sounds like a really interesting uh, tool or way to visualize it. I, you know, I, I do run into a lot of leaders who I think they, they've reached some level and, and maybe that seems like the summit and it's really sort of the, the metaphorical false summit, you know, and the, the clouds haven't necessarily parted to see that there's another, you know, another peak in the growth journey ahead. And I feel like, you know, keep working the same formula, the same approach. They, they got to a level of success. They, they got the results with a particular approach, but don't have that blind spot or that awareness that you mentioned. Uh, well, wait a minute, there's, there's more to improve. There's, there's more I'm not seeing. There are other ways, other ways to grow maybe, and, and other, other ways to, as you say, sort of be uh, invited or find that opportunity or position yourself for the opportunity to, to sit at that next table. Yeah, I'll take it to another level. I'll add a little story kind of coming into some of my background. Um, so very briefly for the audience, um, I, I, I ran away, high school dropout, run away, lived in the streets for a couple of years, uh, did what you do on the streets. I will go into that. Um, had a transformational experience and became very much involved in local church. Okay. Um, and that became my new community. Now I had basically emancipated myself from my family um, emotionally, right? I still had contact with them, but I was not as connected as I was as a teenager, as a child. And what I heard most times from leader, men in leadership was, you know, Greg, what you've been through, what you've done, I just have tremendous amount of respect for you. And at the time that built me up, that really felt good. But over time, what I realized is that became an excuse to not confront me on things I really could have been confronted on and I would have had an opportunity to grow. And so when somebody comes to you and says, hey, I have respect for you, um, I don't necessarily list, like hear that the same way. I mean, always it's nice to be respected, right? But if I'm looking to get better and if I'm looking for feedback, respect could be a cover for not telling somebody the truth. And that's kind of what we have got to break out of. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to let anyone come up to you and say whatever they want, right? Uh, but what we like to encourage with specific teams, like teams that really want to be high performing and, and they want to move through that maturity level and they've got the level of trust is we, we introduce what we call um, um, unsolicited feedback. So you don't have to ask permission. You don't have to give permission. You just get real honest feedback that is constructive and objective towards a goal. So if you put in a report and it just doesn't muster up, somebody's going to come and tell you, this doesn't muster up. You've got to level up your game. And 
And in some cases, if the team or the individual is not ready, like that confidence, that trust isn't there, they're going to feel slighted and disrespected. But that's not the, that's not what the intention is. The intention is, is listen, this is our team. This is the level we perform at. And this particular item you just submitted doesn't cut it. You've got to level up that kind of feedback done the right way can absolutely enhance an individual's performance. You've got to build the environment for that. And, you know, you can slice and we can, we can kind of really kind of parse out what we mean by respect, but I think I've conveyed in my earlier story, don't use it as a way to protect yourself from confronting somebody in an area that they need it. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I I don't recall who it was that said this, but the quote goes something like, surround yourself with smart people who will disagree with you. And what you said like just, that, just, yes. just, just made me think of that. I, I just picked up a book that I haven't started yet by a guy called Michael Easter as a professor at, I think, UNLV. It's called The Comfort Crisis. And one of the recurring themes I've come across in, in this podcast as we talk about mastery, or in other words, life's never-ending journey for continuing to improve ourselves is the power of getting out of your comfort zone, of getting doing things that are uncomfortable because they are going to make you better or have the opportunity to make you better. And, and that was also something that, that I was reminded of when you just said what you, what you said, because just having someone pump you up and, hey, I respect what you did or what you've, where you've come from, like, great, but that didn't help me. Right. Being open to and listening to um, uh, unsolicited, solicited either way, but respectful feedback. Um, it, 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 it comes down to awareness, right? And um, self-awareness versus others' view of you. So what's your particular view of you and what's others' re- view of you and the level of agreement in between those two? Uh, and there's science, there's science done on this, right? Um, if your level of awareness and internal agreement with what others think, that creates a, con- a cohesiveness and a consistency, and it boosts your leadership. It boosts your leadership when the way you see the world and the way others see the world is very, very similar. Because the way you show up and the way you talk resonates with other people. But if there is a huge disagreement and you're talking about the world that you see, how you think you show up, but everybody disagrees with you, it's like a dissonance. Like you're not resonating, you're not connecting. And that can really, in, that can really dampen your ability to lead and influence. So what we want to do is we want to increase self-awareness and we want to be able to acknowledge how other people see you, even if you don't agree with that being accurate. And so that takes some humility and some time and and creating some relationships and some systems where you get that feedback and you may disagree with it. You may see it in a different light, but you have to acknowledge this is how I'm seen. And then you can lead from there. Do you, do you see a challenge with that type of humility in successful executives? It, It can be a challenge for some. Yes. Just So one thing I'm curious about here, or I, I might even challenge a little bit, is what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but I'm also thinking about, I see some folks in their careers that it, it seems like they are perpetually, and, and honestly, coming from a consulting background and, and, and one large global consulting firm, I'm convinced that some of this psychology is absolutely 
ingrained in the in the career path uh, design is continuing continuing to seek or continuously seeking um, validation from others, recognition from others, right? In in the right, it's in the career track in terms of doing what somebody else wants in order to get that next title, that next promotion, that next recognition. So how how do I merge? I've got my own awareness. I need to value the awareness of others because it may differ drastically, but I don't want to go so far that I place my destiny in, in somebody else's validation of my, my value or my worth. Yeah. So if, if you're sensing validation needs to come from others and, you know, I mean, that can be a, a typical indicator of some stuff that needs to be worked through, right? Some, some pain from the past that needs to be worked through in a different, in a different setting. Um, what I, where I like to go, kind of looking into the future, what do, you, what do you really want to put it on, is look at the end results that you've been able to create and develop the muscles and the ability to self-validate. And when, when you can self-validate, you're not dependent on the opinions of others. Because you know, there's a double-edged sword here, right? With when you're leading... You're, you're leading and you're communicating to other people and, and you're, you're really trying to manage change, right? You're, you're, you're moving people from one place to another. You're persuading people to do something that they didn't agree or do want to do and you're, without alienating them. That's true ultimate leadership. And so you have to be in tune with the opinions of others. Yet, on the other side, some of the most cutting edge leaders disregard the modern, the kind of the, the everyday thought pattern, the, the, the consensus. So they kind of buck the system. So there's an element of you have to be almost a contrarian, a disruptor, and yet you have to have agreement. And so these are things that you have to manage, attention you have to manage. You can't just grab one and eliminate the other. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. So awareness of, of both and some adeptness at both. You mentioned something I, I want to make sure we bring out particularly since you're a consultant, I've, I've had a number of consulting roles. And even if you're within a corporation, right, regardless of your position, uh, as a consultant, and certainly in, in corporate roles, there's a challenge of influencing oftentimes without having authority, right? So you're a consultant, you're a third-party advisor. Uh, you're at whatever position you're in, you're, you're always uh, managing up, right, to, to your boss, to a board, whoever that might be. Uh, so it's not a position of, of formal hierarchical leadership or authority, but influence, right? And you just mentioned it in terms of, of the effectiveness as a leader to influence. So let's talk about that a little bit and, and how you've seen it show up and, and what you guys do. Yeah. So these are the kinds of things where, you know, talking about it, we're talking about, like, I'll call this a sterile environment, right, Mike, Michael? Um, you know, we're we're workshopping, we're imagining in any, you know, in any scenario, if all things being equal, then this works, right? But the reality is your listeners, people out there, are, you know, in these spaces, all things are not equal. There's politics, there's, there's egos, there's priorities, there's budgets, there's so many working components. And I just want to acknowledge that as we kind of enter the conversation. But um, two things to consider, you know, one is if we can begin to, you know, use critical thinking, and it's one of the core things that we like to, to dive into the critical thinking skills. And for us, that breaks down into three parts. First principles, logic, and data. Um, first principles, encourage your listener, if you have not heard about that, take a look about boiling a problem down to its 
irreducible elements and then looking at it from that perspective. But thinking, okay, putting some time and effort into just thinking about the problem and thinking about what it is you're trying to accomplish can provide a lot of insight. And so in, in the case of influencing without authority, um, I tend to look at making it objective, like, okay, identifying the ultimate goal or a milestone, objective, OKR, you know, KPI, whatever it is, making it truly objective and then building an approach that is really not tied to a personality, an opinion or anything subjective. And then looking at how you can kind of connect those dots, because when you can depersonalize an idea and connect it to a, an organizational metric or goal, okay, now you are carrying the banner of the organization. So you're operating on behalf of the team, the company, the initiative, the mission, whatever it is. And you're approaching it very objectively so that anyone else that's coming around is bringing objectivity, they can see you connecting the dots. And if you can kind of follow that model, you can tend to have a lot of influence without any authority. Take the subjectivity and the uh, maybe the emotions out of it or the personal reaction out of it. So maybe that's a good segue to talking a little bit about how th- how this starts to look in an, in an organizational setting. So you know beyond the work an individual may may uh, do on themselves or get help from somebody like you guys on themselves. So as we extend that to how it shows up in an organization, right? You said not, not a sterile environment. So now we go back to the real world. And, you know, I've got an enterprise change program that I've got to run as I'm working on myself and as I'm trying to figure out how to take an objective and a strategy, an objective Mm -hmm. strategy and and, uh, influence behaviors, change behaviors, make it show up in a way that we achieve the goal. So question to lead into that is I, I have seen organizations that culturally don't like disagreement, culturally don't seem to like individual accountability. So how do you take something objective and say, okay, we've, we've got a goal, we've got a plan, we're not tracking to that plan, and, and yet there's not much of an appetite for uh, calling that out, right, or asking hard questions or sort of holding people accountable. So how do, how do we take you know, strategy and bring it down to behavior effectively? Yeah, so say we take that environment where, um, you know, disagreement isn't, isn't modeled you know, it's, it's just not where we were going. We're, we're, we're conflict avoidance, right? right? We don't engage in debate. Um, we don't push, push to the best ideas. And so, well, it takes an initiative. You need a, you need a, a transformation agent or a transformation moment. And typically that's going to be someone at the strategic level saying, okay, enough is enough. We have to make a shift here, right? And so you need that initiative, whether that's the CEO, the CEO, or someone that is steeped in the strategy and ultimately accountable for, for this culture piece. And what we do is we come in at that stage and say, okay, you have this, this thing that you want. You want people to embrace and really succeed at conflict. Okay, so that's the, that's the thing we're aiming towards. So let's build this out and let's break it. First of all, let's break it down and chunk it down. What are the core mindsets and capabilities that everyone is in the organization is going to need to level up on to be able to do that. And we like to, we like to kind of first kind of do an assessment, a philosophical assessment with the leadership, you know, Hey, you know, 
how, how is psychological safety here? Um, do you, are you ready to improve psychological safety? Are all the senior leaders ready to actually lead on this initiative? Or are they trying to delegate it and push it over to the consultant to, to solve while they keep doing everything they're doing? If we don't get alignment on those items, then there's really little we can do. But if we find a good team that says, hey, you know, we own this and we're going to fix it and we're going to lead it and we're going to step into it ourselves uh, and we're going to do whatever it takes to make this work. Well, now we can pair up because we've got some alignment at the most senior leadership levels. So we chunk it down. So say we identify, okay, psychological safety is going to be one piece. Communication tactics and strategies is going to be another piece. Uh, building agreements you know, and minimizing expectations, that's going to be another piece. So we chunk these down into the core parts that we, we are convinced are going to actually get the result we want. Then we take those and we thin slice them that can be into digestible conversations. And we're going to call them leader-led conversations. And we teach the, the people managers within the organization how to host and lead a leader-led conversation within the context of their team. And then we build out the modules. You know, if we have stuff that exists, we can kind of bring it over. We can shape it, put it under the brand of the company, kind of use their, their vernacular, really personalize it to the organization. And then we deploy these conversations from the top down. So executives, they'll, they'll, they'll work through what, what the conversations, what they want things to look like. They'll push that to their senior managers, mid-level managers. And every time there's a conversation, we challenge everyone to work on a new behavior for 28 days. And then we can change the range, okay? We, you know, um, I'm giving you a kind of a broad stroke model. And, and then we ask them to do some check-ins. And so we give them some pieces of technology to allow them to check in on that particular behavior. And what happens in this process, this is really kind of a lot of components that go into this. So as we're teaching managers how to elevate psychological safety, how to have communications, and then to engage their direct reports with open dialogue, a number of things happen. One, that psychological safety, you know, we've got we to gotta break through some of that because if people are not ready to be honest, then we got to get to the point where they can speak openly. But once they do, there's so much information that comes in from the folks that are on the ground, right? He's like, hey, I, you want me to change. You want me to do this, but this policy is in the way. That team is you know, stepping on our toes and we don't have this resource. So all the things you want to happen can't happen because all the stuff's in the way. And up until now, I haven't even been able to communicate it to you. So a lot of the stuff that's going on in the organization ends up coming up. And those at the most senior levels, executive levels, um, kind of get the insulation uh, that has been built in around them, gets pulled away, and they're actually able to see what's really going on. And then we have data and analytics to measure what's, which teams, which, or, which parts of the organization are really moving forward versus which aren't. And then we can you know, just positively go in there and say, hey, what's going on? What do we need to tweak? What's, what, what's not working here and, and how come? But we're getting real-time analytics. And as we build this out and we layer these conversations, and it's, again, one hour, once a month within your own team context. You don't need to bring a facilitator in. You don't need to shut down operations for a day. But we build it in over time. 
And what's beautiful about this is as the organization kind of takes on this, this system, right, this process, anytime an organization, this organization wants to change, wants to initiate a change, or it wants to pivot, or wants to elevate a particular value, we simply go through the same process. We chunk it down, we design modules, and then we, 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 we cascade it throughout the organization and we challenge you know, some commitments on that on the individual level. And then we see what's working what's what not, and what's not. And so with this model and this uh, methodology, we can help organizations really kind of pivot on a dime. And, cool. and we have the data to see what's really working. So it's very exciting stuff we're doing. In, yeah, and, and in real time, you mentioned. So that same framework skill set is reusable for, for future problems. The, um, you know, when you said psychological safety, I'll give you a quick story I, I came across in, in some conversations around this podcast recently that it just reminded me of. This is a, um, a guy uh, who, who consults in leadership and uh, it, literally a war story. Uh, from being over in Afghanistan or a place like that. And he had to uh, coax somebody out of a foxhole uh, under, under gunfire, under friendly fire. And it was like, you know, do I scream at him and drag him out of the hole? Uh, ultimately, the way he got him out of the hole was to put his arm around the, the other gentleman and say, this is what we need to do. Uh, it's going to be okay. I got you. Follow me. But the only way, and it worked. And, and the only way it worked was because they already had a relationship. They had, they had an element of trust between them that had been built up, uh, over time before that. Right. So that trust uh, in that, in that example, uh, I was just reminded of that when you're talking about psychological safety and, and pulling away this insulation to build some of these, these relationships that can foster these kind of conversations. Do you, do you, you know, Greg Ballard, 5C Consulting, when, when we talk about organizational change. We talk about when I hear behavior, when I hear, usually if I heard psychological safety, I would think, you know, roll out the brown cardigans, right? Call the the change management organization, uh, which, you know, maybe I'm a little bit old school, but we, I, we always thought of as like, we're the guys getting stuff done. That's the, the touchy feely element of things. And I'm not sure how it all fits together. So is that, do you typically come into an organization by way of maybe a, a CMO function or do you, do you work with that group or are you, are you, you know, uh, adjunct to that group? So, you know, so to, to today I've really come in, we've really come into organizations through the senior leaders. Um, in some cases, uh, you know, mid-level will want to introduce and, and, and bring us in and we've got we to gotta kind of escalate the conversations. Um, but most of the time it's, you know, referral, you know, or someone that we, we know. Um, and they are the, they're the, they're the driver, they're the point person. And so we come in, that relationship is either fairly is established or fairly strong. And then we are able to do some work with them. Okay. That makes sense. And I think, I think you kind of said that in terms of, of, uh, leadership led and, and almost, um, sort of top down accountability being rolled through the organization. You also mentioned, if I, if I noted this right, you mentioned mindset and you mentioned capabilities. That uh, that everyone should start to develop. So, uh, what are some of those? Yeah, I want to I want to click on one thing you just said a second okay. ago about uh, top down, um, and because there's a top down and a bottom up element as well in our approach. Obviously, strategy has to come from you know it comes from up. Whether maybe you do a strategy campaign and you listen to everyone in the organization, but it, it's ultimately the, you know the 
someone at the top, someone near the top that's accountable for the overarching strategy, the people looking out into chaos and determining what is the path. And that can't fall on everyone in the organization. Right. It just doesn't practically. However, once it's decided, it's got to be implemented, right? It's got to translate into behaviors within the organization. And so what we look to do is to identify the objectives and the goals of the individual and to see if there's a way that their, their goals as an individual can be tied to the strategic objective. So in a sense, we're helping the organization implement a strategy, but we're doing that by identifying each individual and how they have an, in, um, an inherent interest in executing the strategy. And th so there's inherent desire and behavior change at the individual level. And then we support them with a way to, to build that. And so there's a marrying process in there. It's kind of hard to explain, uh, but it's not exclusively top down or exclusively bottom up. It's, it's really the two together. Got it. And, and so, um, yeah, maybe that brings up an, another question and, and, you know, I, I want to be respectful of everybody's time, yours, especially here today and, and get to, you know, how to engage with, with a Greg or, or a 5C for people who are interested for themselves as an executive or for their organizations. Uh, but the question I was going to ask in, in the way I heard what you just said is it seems, uh, it doesn't sound like you're around forever, right? You guys sort of teach people to fish and that you'd be, re you'd be working down to some level uh, in terms of bottom up. I don't see you guys being big enough or around long enough that you touch every individual in a large organization. So is there an element of sort of working from the executive level, maybe down to a management level, and then you're teaching people how to carry that forward throughout their teams and, and the organization? So, yeah, so we, we work with senior, the senior leadership and we, we design the program. We show managers how to execute the program, but everyone in the organization is touched through the technology and the conversations that we have. And so we're able to capture and, and, and roll that data up. And, and we may find a particular niche or a particular team or department where we want to go and do deeper work, right? And so that's how it explains. And of course, the size of the organization. If it's a couple hundred people, then yeah, you're likely going to, we're likely going to get face to face at some point. Um, but if it's several thousand, you know, you're going to be in our data set somewhere, but we probably won't have, you know, met. So it depends on the size of the organization and, and specifically what we're trying to do. Great. Okay. And to circle back to, um, mindset and capabilities that you often see a need to develop in individuals and organizations? What, what are some of those? What are some examples? So I'm going to, um, you know, mention critical thinking again. I think okay. thinking is often overrated, um, not overrated, underrated. And spending some time just thinking can be one of the most productive ways to spend your time on critical issues. Uh, number two, communication. Uh, a lot of times people have the answer. They know the answer, but they can't articulate the answer in a way that people understand it. So if you have the entire solution, but can only can communicate 10% of it, but your colleague has half the answer and can communicate all of that, all of half of it, um, they add more value. And so you want to be the person that can communicate everything that you can as a, you know, so communication is key, is key. The other piece is I, I would say getting truly introspective about how you're wired and how you're designed. Um, so identifying and really clarifying, uh, understanding your value system 
and how your value system needs to be deployed. Uh, one of the things I realized, you know, fairly early in my career working with executives and just myself is that we understand, you know, there's, there's a lot of different tools to go through values, right? And, and typically you land on one and it's kind of like, okay, that's my value. I'm stuck with that for life, right? Well, it's not how values work. Values will shift. And the only way you understand how to deploy your value system in the right way is to kind of get under the hood of where that value came from and why it is valuable to you. So doing that deep dive of understanding your own value structure is, I think, a huge process to go through. Uh, so thinking, communication, values, I think those would be some great actionable things to, to move, on, move forward on. Yeah, and I'm glad you, you mentioned that, that last one. Um, thank you. We could probably spend a whole nother hour on that. But yes, I, I just you know, I had a conversation with somebody the, the other day about myself and and the, uh, you know, lots of tools, right. But Myers-Briggs came up and it's like, well, I, I think you're this, you know, MB, uh, type and well, I think I'm this and, but the reality is, Hey, I've really been working hard in some of these areas to get more dynamic in certain ways. And so it's not static and yeah. understanding where the values come from and understanding how we change over time to me is really important. Absolutely. And, and there's a ton of assessment tools like, um, EQ assessments, MBTI, we use everything disc, we use the five behaviors, we use energy leadership, we just did a Colby one today. I mean, we, there, there's a lot of tools out there and you can layer them in because they all have a certain level of value um, in helping you kind of understand how you're wired, you're designed, and then how to best align your work with your design. And so dive into those things, take advantage of those things when they come up and, and don't just brush them off. Um, find, you know, understand them, get a conceptual framework and, and then under, you know, get clear on how they can potentially add value to you in the way you do your work. hundred percent. And those, those, uh, few things that you mentioned that are, seem super powerful, right? Critical thinking, effective communication, introspection, values. So now as we are trying to find our way out of, uh, of quarantine and, and back into a, a new normal in business. Uh, how, do you, how do you see some of those things changing? Um, maybe we've all had time for some introspection or life has caused us to question some values. And now we're trying to reshape maybe some ways that we've, we've had to communicate over the last year. Do you, do you see some positives in those things coming out? Do you so see some new challenges? I see a sorting um, operation going on for the next couple of years. And what I mean by that is... Um, Many organizations and many people have, were forced to work remotely yeah. and we've proven to organizations that you can be productive from home, that you can, it can, it can work. And so there's companies now asking, my, are asking themselves like, what, why do we need office space? Yeah. Do we need as much office space? There, uh, there's a whole question around, okay, if we can offer the job remotely, we get access to the to a global talent pool rather than a regional talent pool. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, there's going to be people that are going to go, you know, they're going to be called back to the office. There's going to be some kind of, hey, come on back to the office. And, and, and they're going to, you know, look, they're excited. They want to get out of the house. They, I want to get back to work. I want to see my colleagues. I want to kind of, you know, stand at the water cooler or sit at my desk. And what I anticipate is for some people, they're going to do that for three to four months depending on the, the commute and, and they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, I hated coming to work. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 
And then by next fall, when all the kids are back in school, they're going to be like, they're going to go to their supervisor and say, I can do the job from home. I did it during the lockdown. And now the house is empty. I can really do this. Please let me do this from home. And so I think there's going to be this tension as people kind of understand what's going to work best for them going into the office, which some people will really, really want to do. And some companies will want done. And then there's going to be people that are like, hey, no, I really would love to be home and work from home. And some organizations are like, hey, we want you to work from home. So I think there's going to be this sorting process of people finding jobs and finding roles that fit with what they really, really want. And that, that, that their inner values, their inner kind of what, what works best for them. And then there's organizations that are going to be doing the same thing. And so I anticipate some sorting going on. Some sorting. Yeah, I like that word for it. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're all going to have to kind of feel it out individually, what works for us, our yeah. values, our personal situations, and the role, as you said, right? Roles, roles differ and, and how they're most effective. So uh, maybe to that end, how, uh, how are you, Greg, and, and 5C working with clients right now? And, and then how do you see that changing going forward? So somebody listening to this goes like, I, I need that personally as an executive or gosh, my organization needs to get better at, uh, at embracing strategy into our behaviors or whatever that might look like. Uh, how do people reach you? What's a good way to engage? And how are you engaging those services now? And, and how do you see that sort resorting for 5C? <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're a boutique firm. I'm the principal you know, a consultant. We have a team of consultants and experts. We have a small support team. And so really the way things, we start off with a conversation and you know, because there's a lot of things we've got to understand before we can say, "Hey, let's let's actually ink a deal and 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 partner up and do some work together." Uh, and that so best thing to do if you want to ha- shoot me an email, I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. But Greg at five C consulting, you can email my team concierge at five C consulting if you just want some information. You can always take a look at our website. Um, I will let your listeners know we are going to be re- redoing our website. We're going to be changing the structure and the copy to more clearly align with what we're doing now. Um, and so if you go, I don't know when we're going to publish this, um, but we have some changes coming on the website. Uh, and that would be, you know, that would be it. the first one would be an early conversation, kind of help us. What, what are your struggles? What's going on? What do you want to see happen? What are the results you're looking for? And then we can kind of share some insights, um, how we might approach it, and then decide if we want to do something together. What I will say though is uh, one of our one of my philosophies is every organization, every individual is is a very unique. You know, we're, we're unique. We're, we're individuals, and this was revealed to me uh, several years ago. I was working with um, a health and wellness coach. Still work with them, and went into their process and they said, hey, you know, we, we, we have this thing that we can do through a third party. It's a DNA health assessment. And it basically looks at your DNA and we're able to look and give you some coaching and some specific instruction on what you should have in your diet, what you shouldn't have in your diet and how you should exercise. And, and I was like, really, it's fascinating. Well, I went through it and I got this 28 page report. And what I what clicked for me was, and, and, and it, if you think about the diet industry, right? And so many people go into the Atkins diet, South, South Beach diet, the, you know, the, the pescatarian, you know, all of them. You know, and, and then it doesn't give them a result. And the reason is because it's kind of like been productized for the mass market. 
and yet their genetic makeup may not be the best makeup for that that particular plan. And so that's what I realized for me. There's some very specific things that I need to take note of in my diet. And so translating this into our work, we are co-creative. And what I mean by that is we're going to work with you and we want to get insights and truly understand your context, your objectives, the strengths and weaknesses and resources you have, and then design something that specifically matches you. Now, we work with directly with executives through our executive development plan program, and we work with organizations on our strategy to behavior program. So on a broad stroke, those are things we do. But when we actually sit down and, and talk with folks, we're really looking at designing something that's kind of hand in glove for you. So I think that's a critical piece to, to take note of. So we have to spend some time and some conversations ahead of time and see if it's going to work. Yeah, thank you for that. That that makes a lot of sense. I'm glad you mentioned it. I I, uh, I was looking at an infographic yesterday that the health and wellness markets is like a 4.3 trillion dollar industry, and at least the way we've applied it, Western world, you know, recent history is a one size fits all model, and clearly, you know, it doesn't. But it yeah. that one is very exciting because so much technology is now evolving for us to tailor it, whether it's in wearable devices that can individualize data. Uh, as you said, DNA and genetic testing and so forth. So, you know, when I when I hear boutique consultancy, I, I think small. When I hear cl- something cliche like bespoke, I just go like, oh, that's marketing fodder. But um, yeah, I mean, what you just said makes a lot of sense to me, right? Always, never hurts to have a conversation. And in this case, yeah, being able to really understand each other and figure out if there's something of mutual benefit. And then if you go forward, co-creating what fits that particular scenario, business strategy. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Excellent. Thank you. Well, uh, as you said, Greg, definitely we'll get your contact information up, your links and so forth in the show notes to the episode. In particular, you mentioned email website, uh, you know, LinkedIn is sort of our social media for, for business. Are you guys active there as well? Yeah, I have, we have a profile on LinkedIn. Um, we have not been very active, but we have some, some things in the works. So you can always follow me, you can follow our page and uh, see what we got going on there. Or you can reach out to me directly on, on LinkedIn as well. Okay, perfect. Well, I, I want to thank you for your time before we stop recording here today. I really appreciate you stopping by. I'm excited by what you guys are doing because uh, you know, we have we have the, the common experience here of, of working in the corporate executive world, but I'm so excited to see people who are bringing mindset, introspection, values, the personal side of being more effective executives, more effective business. Uh, it's, it's really exciting to see what you guys are doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, we're whole people, right? You know, you just don't leave the office and go, go lock yourself in a cell. You have a family, you have people, you have relationships. And, you know, I think, uh, was it Sean Connery? One of those movies, I think it was, uh, he's playing King Arthur. He said, you don't love in slices. And when we think about personal and professional development, we, we want to compartmentalize, right? Business from home and, and, and stuff like that. But at the reality is it doesn't work that way. And so you have to treat, you know, you are a whole individual. And so you have to look at your, your life and your productivity holistically. And when you understand how you've been wired, what your values are, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, um, you can bring all of that to home and work life and, and really be engaged and energized uh, and make a, a really meaningful contribution. So Michael, thank you for the conversation today. Uh, really uh, glad to, to be here to, 
today with you. Yeah, same to you, Greg, and, and thank you for your leadership and, and what you just said, right? What, what better way to lead than to you know, embody and, and demonstrate developing holistically? And uh, we're holistic individuals, but there's a whole team of, of others as well that we can, can lead on doing the same for themselves. All right, Greg, thank you again. Appreciate your time, and we'll get people in touch with, uh, with you and 5C Consulting. All right. Thank you, Michael. Great. Thank you again to Greg Ballard of 5C Consulting. Show notes for this episode with links to Greg on LinkedIn, his website, and Instagram are at manofmastery.com slash 092. So here's the, the challenge or the weekly action item I, I mentioned here at the front side of this episode. I'd like to just drill in on introspection and awareness. I was talking to a coaching client this week, and as I try to describe this multi-layered self-mastery journey, the growth journey, I think what so much of it comes down to is exactly that, awareness. And the way that you can start to create some awareness, you have to create space for it. You have to create a little bit of space in your day, in your schedule, in your life to then find that awareness. And you'll find it. It'll find you. That's not the challenge. The challenge is creating that space. So you can create that space, that that time, that platform for the insight and the awareness in, in a lot of ways. But I, I, I would challenge that it comes with some form of stillness and maybe even silence. It could be journaling. It could be meditation. It could be a breath practice, a concentration practice. It could be a hike. It could be a walk. It could be some other place you sort of get in the zone doing something with, with movement, complex movement. Lots of ways to do it. It could be as simple as laying down in Shavasana on a yoga mat, right? So I would challenge you this week to spend a little bit of time, preferably do it repeatedly, do it as a daily practice, even if you only take five minutes or 10 minutes, maybe in the morning, maybe as you wind down your day. Spend some time with a piece of paper and a pen as a journal or find some time in silence. Find a guided meditation. Find a breath practice. And if you need suggestions, let me know. But try that a few times this week. Preferably try it every day this week and see what kind of insight and awareness you come up with. It could be really powerful. I'd love to hear about it. If this is private, well, keep that awareness to yourself. If it's something you'd love to share or something really hits home for you, hey, reach out. Shoot me an email shoot me a call, shoot me a text, or jump on Instagram and shoot me a DM. All right. Hope you have a great experience with that. I hope it's a useful reminder or call to action to create a little bit of space for yourself and see where that leads. All right. Until next week's episode, get out there, get after some some silence, get after some introspection, get after some awareness. 